the early Christians, we're talking about the people in the book of Acts, the early Christian leaders were confused. Peter, James, John, the men who followed Jesus were not real clear about how to get saved. Does that sound controversial? Does that sound is it stunning? Peter, James, and John were followers of Jesus, but they weren't really clear on the doctrine of salvation, specifically the doctrine of salvation by grace alone. They weren't sure about how to get saved. They weren't sure about what happens after you meet Jesus, how to stay saved, what you have to do. Like, well, you have to believe in Jesus, but is there anything else you have to do? Can you imagine the apostles of the early church confused about salvation? They weren't sure if salvation was by grace alone or if there was something else they had to do. Now, I want you to be comforted by this fact that the early, uh, the only, the early apostles and leaders of the church were confused because you know, I've been in ministry now for decades, and it's amazing to me how much people have sort of orbiting their belief about Jesus. Wherever you go, people believe in Jesus, Christians believe in Jesus, Catholics, Protestants, Pentecostals, Calvinists, they believe in Jesus, but they have, they have other planets that are sort of orbiting Jesus. So it, it's, it's Jesus plus their planet. And we're all guilty of that to some degree or another. That yes, you know, you have to believe in Jesus. Okay. Pop this up on the screen here. The next slide, the first slide. Yes, you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. You have to follow Jesus to be saved, but, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's all you need. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it depends on whether or not you really believe. So how do you define that? Is there anybody here who, like, totally believes and never has any doubts? But you believe a little bit more than somebody else, and because it's not just about Jesus saving you, but it's about how much you believe. And, of course, you've got to believe every day, and you can never deny Jesus, like Peter. Some people believe if Peter had been thrust through with a Roman spear, the night he denied Jesus, that he would have gone straight to hell. So it's not it's believing in Jesus, but it's also some other things. Okay, so you, you have to believe in Jesus to be saved. You have to follow Jesus to be saved. Uh, but, but, next slide, you can, you can fill in the blank. But equals Jesus plus something. Okay, Jesus plus something. Now we're saved by Jesus, but we add things. Every single one of us adds things. As, you know, as soon as you feel judgmental towards somebody else, it's never about Jesus. It's always about the, the something that you have considered to be right up there in importance with Jesus. Okay? So, <clears throat> but, you've got to believe in Jesus, but 
is, is this is my, my formula, is Jesus plus something. The apostles were confused. Christians are often confused about this. The devil wants you to be confused. He doesn't want you to have the assurance of salvation. He wants you to think that the love of God is conditional. We sang this morning, uh, where's Sarah? Sarah, anyway, we sang this morning, how, how he loves us, he loves us. Well, how, only to a certain extent, because, you know, if you do or don't do certain things, uh, his love is affected. Is that, is that what we believe? See? Um, I mean, we don't think about it in these terms, but I like to put it in these really simple, kind of like raw terms to help people understand that we don't always have Jesus at the center of our faith. Okay, the apostles were confused. A lot of Christians are still confused. Pastors are confused. Church leaders, they're confused. And you're probably confused some, sometimes. Uh, I got a good friend, pastor of a big church in Southern California. Um, I sort of knew where his theology was. You know, there's different theology, theological um, perspectives. On, you know, lots of people have lots of ideas about salvation. And uh, he, he's had a message uh, he titled the message, How You Can Be Sure You're Going to Heaven. And I thought, this is going to be interesting. Because he has a few pluses in his life. And you know, when he was finished with the message, I wasn't sure if I was going to heaven. You know, there are just these, these uncertainties. Um, look at Acts chapter 15. Okay, now, this is what's so stunning. Acts chapter 15, we pop the next slide up there. Acts chapter 15 is, we're now over halfway through the book, or exactly halfway. There are 28 chapters in Acts, so chapter 15 would be the first few minutes of the second half, right? Okay, so we're halfway through the book of Acts. The day of Pentecost has come. Thousands of people have come to come to Christ. The Apostle Paul has come to Christ. Cornelius, who's a Gentile, has come to Christ. There's a revival in Samaria under Philip's ministry. There are people who are healed. There are miracles. People are following Jesus. He is the Messiah. He's the miracle worker. He's Savior and Lord. But we get to Acts chapter 15, and there's confusion about the doctrine of salvation. Now, you don't have to you don't even have to have the doctrine of salvation correct to be saved. It's not Jesus plus having the correct doctrine of salvation. But if you don't have the correct doctrine of salvation, there will be times when your walk with God will be miserable. And that's what the devil wants. Okay? So, look at here in the book of Acts. Chapter 15. This is the early church. Okay? Chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, what, is the, what do they tell him? You cannot be saved. Um, You've you got to believe in Jesus, but the men, the Gentiles who are becoming Christians, have to be circumcised. I'm thinking, oh my God. You know, so someone comes up to you, you, you know, you're not a Christian, dudes. Somebody comes up to you and, and says, you know, you gotta believe in Jesus, but, but you also have to be circumcised. And you say, what's that? And, and they, they say to you, uh, well, it has to do with your private parts and, uh, 
I can't really explain it. But, and you go, what? Say, I think I'm going to be a Hindu. I, I'm going to get to God some other way, you know. And so circ- circumcision sort of becomes a metaphor of, of the insanity of legalism and, and the kinds of things that people actually expect of you if you're going to be a Christian. I, I did very early, when I was in my early 30s, I had a chance to preach in little island churches in the Bahamas. We had to take a, like float planes and boats to get to these places. And the churches were half the size of this meeting space. And there'd be 8 or 12 or 15 people. And the, all, almost all of those churches had a sign usually written with a magic marker on a piece of cardboard posted in the middle. You know, you got to believe in Jesus, but they had three rules. Women must wear hats, no chewing gum, no swatting mosquitoes on the walls. Those were the rules. And when I saw that sign, I thought, that's a metaphor, Jesus, plus something. Because, you know, it could be an extreme like circumcision. Are you kidding me? Circumcision? And I've often thought about this. Like, so you got, a, you got somebody coming to church and how do you know if he's circumcised? You know, do you have like a scanner? Do you have like an examination booth? Lift your skirt, dude. You know, they dress like, you know, they wore skirts. They wore robes like, like you know, lift your skirt, dude. We need, we need to look. You know, and uh, how could women ever get saved? That's what I'd like to know because no chance for that to happen. You know, you know, it's just, I mean, these are the loopholes of Jesus plus something. Okay? Circumcision. And we're going to see that circumcision was such a big deal Ultimately, it's the reason why Paul got arrested. There was a riot in Jerusalem uh, in the book of Acts, and Paul was arrested. He was put in prison. He was eventually transported to Rome, and he was executed. And it was a controversy about Jesus plus circumcision that got the whole problem started. Because somebody thought Paul took an uncircumcised Gentile into the temple, and the whole city went crazy. You think people are... You think people on Fox television, you think Lim- Limbaugh or, or Hannity are nuts, okay? I'm telling you, people got upset about this was as big a deal as anything you could imagine. Obamacare, abortion, this was as huge as anything you could imagine. Any, anything, anything was controversial. I mean, wherever they went, there was controversy about circumcision. It was so controversial that the Apostle Peter, you can read about it in Acts chapter 10, the Apostle Peter would not go into the house of a Gentile centurion, Cornelius, to preach the gospel without God giving him three, uh, three visions, one vision after another, a sheet coming down from heaven with all kinds of unedible animals and a voice saying, eat. I mean, there were hot dogs. They weren't Hebrew national hot dogs. There's hot dogs and bacon and ham. And it was coming, and, and, and the voice said, eat. And then, and then somebody knocked at the door. They were Gentiles. Would you please come and, and see our master? Uh, he's, he's a man who's seeking God. And Peter said, aha, that's what that was about. And Peter went to the house of Cornelius. He did what no Jew ever did. He went into the house of an uncircumcised Gentile. You have to understand, this was a big deal. It was really important to people. Okay. For like Pentecostals, no smoking, drinking, playing cards, or going to movies or whatever. 
for Catholics, praying the rosary, going to Mass. There are always things that you have to do. Yes, there's Jesus, but there's always more stuff. Okay? So, some men came down. This brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. They got to have a meeting in Jerusalem to decide whether or not Gentile believers should be circumcised, whether it's Jesus plus something or Jesus plus nothing. So we're in Acts chapter 15. They have not had a conversation about how to, how to get saved and how to stay saved. All right. So it says, um, the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted, and the news made all the brothers very glad, and when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. And then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, okay, you know, there are believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, okay? Have you ever met any Pharisees in the church? You know, they're, these are like the supremely legalistic people in your life, okay? Who just know they're closer to God than you are, okay? And you believe it, okay? And so it says, it says, some of the believers, okay, it doesn't say some of the Jewish people opposing Christianity, some of the believers, these are Jewish believers, belong to the party of the Pharisees. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. And they stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. So, you know, when you have Jesus plus something, the next thing you know, you have Jesus plus something, plus something, plus something, plus something. And where's it, where, what, what's going to start the avalanche of somethings? And, you know, when is that avalanche going to end? Okay, once you go down that road, the avalanche never ends. It just takes all the snow down the mountain. Okay? So, so the apostles and elders met to consider this question. They didn't have an instant response. They had not really crystallized this idea that we're saved by grace alone. Okay? So, after much discussion, I would have loved to hear that. I wish we had a video. You know, a hidden camera. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. He's talking about Cornelius. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. All of the people in the household of Cornelius all began to speak in tongues. The Holy Spirit fell, like on the day of Pentecost, on the house of Cornelius, Nobody there was circumcised. Nobody had been baptized yet. They just started speaking in tongues, like on the day of Pentecost. And Peter goes, hmm, circumcision must not be as big a deal as we think it is. See? Because the Holy Spirit blessed these people. Uh, so... Just as he did to us, he made no distinction between them us, for he purified their hearts by faith. So it wasn't just a circumcision, a physical circumcision, it was a spiritual circumcision. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe that it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. End of discussion. 
Salvation, you can kind of take a note here. Salvation is based on Jesus. Salvation is not based on Jesus, but. Or Jesus plus something. My eternal relationship with God is based on Jesus in me plus nothing. And that changes everything. Say that with me. My eternal relationship with God, say it with me. I thought I said, say it with me. Did I say that or not? Just say, okay. Remember that message? Okay. Okay. My eternal relationship with God is based on Jesus plus, and that changes everything. All right. Now, people always ask the question, well, are good works important? Yes, but not to get saved because you're saved. How many of you, I ask this dumb question, people always laugh. How many of you have raised children, you're raising children, or you've seen children? Okay, do you expect good things out of your children? Well, why? And I know why you expect good things, because you want them to stay your children, because if they stop doing good things, they're not going to be your children anymore. You're not going to want them. Just like God, you know? If you don't keep doing good things, God's not going to want you anymore. You're going to be a, a has-been child of God. That's how people think. Okay? So when you raise your children, okay, they have your DNA, and you love them, and you want them to do good things and to live well, not because somehow you're afraid that your relationship with them is going to change, but because they're your children. Okay? So, um, they have, good works have everything to do with living your life the way God wants, experiencing the fullness of kingdom life in this life and rewards in heaven. But good works don't save you or keep you saved. Only grace does that. Jesus didn't come into your life because he likes your good works. Does anyone here want to say, you know, Jesus was watching my life and he said, wow, I think that person should be a child of God. The Bible says, while we were enemies, Jesus died for us. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. You know, some, some, some of you, God had to wrestle you to the ground. Jesus put his foot on your chest, put his hands around your neck. And you said, I found you, Lord. <laughs> People say, have you found the Lord? God has never been lost. You be the lost one, okay? You're lost. Jesus had to seek you and save you, okay? So, uh, good works don't save me. Good works don't keep me saved. Salvation is a gift, uh, a gift of God, grace from the beginning to the end. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because if you don't, you're going to hell. Is that what it says? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because God is at work within you, both to will and to do his good work. Now, you don't work for your salvation. You don't work on your salvation. You work it out. Because you've got a lot of stuff in you that doesn't want it to come out. There's a war going inside of you, through your new nature and your carnal nature. And so you've got to work out your salvation. You've got to work out what's already in you. All right. So let's see where, where you are with this. Let's, let's take a little... Uh, oh, uh, so yeah, uh, we got that. Pop up the next slide here. I don't work what? For my salvation. I don't work on my salvation. 
but I work it out because it's already in me. Okay, now, um, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? Okay, let, let's, um, uh, what's the bare minimum, you know, and uh, for salvation? What, what's the least thing necessary to make sure that you're going to heaven? Okay, so can a Christian, what, once, once you uh, become a Christian, will you go to heaven if you keep smoking? You're not sure? Yes. Okay, yes. Thank you. It's not Jesus plus not smoking. Okay? You're not going to go to hell. You'll smell like hell, but you're not going to go to hell. Okay? Kissing a smoker is like licking an ashtray. Um, all right, so... <laughs> okay, so, listen, I have a cigar once in a while. So I don't have too many because I don't want to, I don't want to be smoking a cigar when the rapture comes because that, that's not a good thing. Okay. <clears throat> or it's going to make me look like a rocket ship. I'm going to have a trail of, of vapor coming out behind me. Anyway, so um, I, we, had a, we had a recovery ministry long before Celebrate Recovery. We called it New Wine. And we, had, we, had, we just had a, a menagerie of people coming. And they'd worship and then they'd take a break. And then they broke up into groups. And when they took a break, people would step outside of our of our North Hall, and they'd have a smoke. And I had a pastor friend with me one night there, and he saw all these people standing outside the church. They're all smoking. And he, he wanted to know, he said, what's going on there? I said, well, that's our smoker's Bible study. So <clears throat> so uh, if you're a Christian and you, have, you, know, you, you drink, are you still going to go to heaven? If you drink uh, one beer a day, Two beers at once, a six-pack at once, ten beers, and you pass out. And then Jesus comes back. He's going to look, oh, not good. And he, you know, he just goes on, and other people are raptured, but not you. You know. So, uh, what about do drugs? What about watch R-rated movies? Um, now, none of these things are particularly helpful. They're self. The Surgeon General, I mean, you don't need the Bible. The Surgeon General says if you smoke, you could have you could get cancer. It's not exactly helpful. The laws of God uh, don't change. You know, you can jump off, just because you're a Christian, you know, if you jump off this building, God doesn't change the law of gravity. Okay? And God has spiritual and moral laws. But the only way you get to heaven is whether or not you are born again and have Jesus in your heart. You get a new nature. Okay? Uh, next week I'm going to give a message. It's one of my absolute favorite messages. I title it, Who's Your Daddy? Okay? Because when you get a new nature, you know, you, be, you become a child of God. Okay, so um, what about, uh, what, if, what if you're a, a Christian, you ask Jesus into your life, uh, and, uh, and then you, you get pregnant? And you have an abortion, or you have three three abortions. You're still going to go to heaven. You believe in evolution. Going to go to heaven. You voted for Barack Obama twice. Okay. For some real ultra conservative Christians. You have to believe in Jesus, and you have to watch Fox News. And you cannot vote for a Democrat. 
So I don't know how most African-American people are going to go to heaven because they vote for Democrats. I don't know about you folks, but amen. She said, amen. Thank you very much. Did you vote for our president? Amen. amen. God bless you. Okay, you can go to my church. These people aren't going to like you so much anymore. Some of these Fox News ad addicts. Okay. See, this brings up all kinds of issues. I have a friend who's the provost. He was the provost at Arizona Christian University. He's a Democrat. Someone in the in the Arizona legislature found that out. And a Christian, and they said, "How can you be a Christian and be a registered Democrat?" And he's a white boy. I mean, we have these we have these kind of crazy things that you know. It's like we associate all these things with what it means to be a Christian. Like you know, if you're a Catholic, you know you got you say, well, you got to believe in Jesus, but you got to go to mass, you got to pray the rosary. And if you're a real good Bible believing Christian and you believe in grace, salvation by grace alone, you say you got to believe in Jesus, but you can't be a Catholic. Being a Christian is Jesus in your life plus nothing, and that changes everything. And this is the message of Paul's letter to the Galatians. So Acts chapter 15 is about the early controversy. You know, they settle the doctrine of salvation by grace alone. But the controversy continues, uh, to, it, it continues to be a problem. And so Paul has to write to Christians about how salvation by grace alone actually works and how there's the fruit of the Spirit, uh, you know, and that, yes, our lives should change, but our relationship with God forever is based on Jesus plus nothing. You see, Christians are fruit trees. They're not Christmas trees. A Christmas tree is a dead tree that you make look really beautiful. And in fact, some, some of them are so dead, they're made out of aluminum and plastic. Okay? Okay, so... Uh, but a fruit tree is is a, it's a natural thing that tree bears fruit. We've got citrus trees, and you know we were having bad we were having some bad years, and so I went out there and I yelled at those citrus trees, and I said, "If you don't bear more fruit, I'm going to cut you down." And man, they really started bearing fruit, you know. You know what? Do, citrus trees bear fruit, right? It's a natural thing. And so Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that it should, Jesus should change our lives. But when it comes to relationship with God, Paul says this in Galatians, having begun in the Spirit, he's writing to Christians, are you now made perfect through human effort? And he calls them fools. You foolish Christians. You got saved by grace, and now you think it's up, up to you? We're kept saved by grace. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So, um, a little background here. Galatians is one of Paul's great letters. Okay, we have pop the next slide up there. Uh, Galatians is one of Paul's great, le oh, great letters. In it, he forcefully proclaims the doctrine of justification, that is right standing with God by faith alone. Martin Luther, the reformer, claimed Galatians as my epistle. 
So wedded was Luther to Galatians, both in interest and in temperament, that together they shaped the course of the Reformation and subsequently all of history since 1517. We're coming up on the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther was a Catholic priest. He couldn't take it anymore. There was, so, there was scandal. There was abuse. There, there was Jesus plus all kinds of stuff. And he had a revelation from God that the just shall live by faith, not just get saved by faith, but will live by faith. And the book of Galatians literally changed human history. So it's a pretty important book in the Bible. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week. Um, so Galatians has been called the Magna Carta of Christian liberty. So Galatians has six chapters. Uh, which can be divided into three main sections. Um, section one is it's a statement about the problem. Section two is a, a precise explanation of the gospel. And section three is freedom in Christ, life in the spirit, how we walk out ourselves, work out our salvation. Now let's talk about the problem. The problem is the power of religious traditions with or without Jesus or Jesus plus something. Okay, this is what we're dealing with. Jesus plus something. Specifically, the problem in the Galatian churches was a reintroduction of Jewish religious practices, especially circumcision, into the new Gentile Christian communities. Jewish Christians were telling the new Gentile Christians that they had to be circumcised. What we need to realize is that this something, Jesus plus circumcision, was a huge issue among the early Jewish Christians. It was, in fact, at least as huge as any sensitive issue today, like abortion or evolution or voting, you know, for a Democrat, for conservative white Christians. The problem, if it's going to be Jesus plus nothing, if it's going to be Jesus plus something, what is that something going to be? And who's going to decide? Legalistic Pentecostals? Women must wear dresses, not cut their hair. Men have to cut their hair, can't have long hair. Is it going to be Catholics? Is it going to be Mormons? You go to the Mormon temple and there's a great big, the first thing you see is a big white alabaster statue of Jesus in the visitor center. But we've been to, my wife and I have been to a couple of Mormon services. They're lovely people and many of them believe in Jesus. But there is so much other stuff. I mean, you go to a Catholic church in Latin America, and you got to find the hidden Jesus. He's there, but it's a hidden Jesus because there's so much other stuff. But there are lots of, we all are guilty of this. We all have stuff, okay? Which is why Jesus says, you know, if you are trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye, remove all the stuff from your eye first. See? Because everybody has stuff. Okay, so who's going to decide? Maybe the Jehovah's Witnesses are going to decide. Every every religion, every, you know, that's why we have all these different churches. You know, uh, Church of God Anderson, Church of God Cleveland, uh, Catholics, uh, Presbyterians, Lutherans. Uh, the Lutherans have a doctrinal book called the Book of Concord. My uncle, my uncles were ordained Lutheran ministers, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and they had to swear on the Bible and the truth of the Book of Concord, which is the doctrinal statements of the Lutheran Church. And my uncle put his hand in the Bible, and when he put his hand on the Book of Concord, <clears throat> he crossed his fingers behind it. Okay? Because 
You know, there's always something. Well, you've got to be a Christian, but you've got to believe in Jesus, but you've got to be a Lutheran. Or you got, you know, you've got to be baptized by immersion. Now, all of these things are important. I am not trying to suggest that any of these things are not important or that we shouldn't talk about them. But what does it take to become a child of God? You've got to be born again. More on that next week. So, salvation is either Jesus or religion, not both in any mixture. Mixture. Religion says do. Grace says done. With this in mind, let's see what Paul is saying about adding to the gospel. How serious is it to add to the gospel? Jesus plus something. Okay, is it really that big of a deal? Jesus plus something? Look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. It's really no gospel at all. Evidently, you know, Jesus plus something is never the gospel. The, God, the good news is, is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All I need is Jesus, okay? Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. Christians are confused. And are trying to, listen to what Paul says, pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, he's not talking about heresy. He's not talking about drugs and alcohol and sexual addictions. He's talking about Jesus plus circumcision. When you add something to the perfect finished work of Jesus, you are perverting the good news. It's not good news anymore. Okay? Uh, you're perverting the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven, that would be Moroni, should preach a gospel other than the one that we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. That's kind of a nice Bible way to say, they can go to hell. That's what Paul, let them be eternally condemned. That's kind of sound, that's a religious way of saying. Paul is, is angry because he was a very religious man, circumcised after the eighth day, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of Jews, and he found a dead end in all of those good things that he did. And then he met Jesus. And so he's saying, how can we add these things to Christians? You know, it's about Christ. It's about Christ alone. So, <clears throat> part, part four here. Why is the problem so serious? Why is it such a big deal? Well, first of all, it messes with you. But when it messes with you, it messes with other people. It takes the good news. Number one, Jesus plus something perverts the gospel. Okay, But number two, Jesus plus something ruins relationships. Jesus plus something ruins relationships. Let's see how this works. Okay, look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. When Peter came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face. Can you imagine these two apostles? Paul gets in Peter's face and he publicly rebukes him. I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong before certain men came from James. He used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who were legalistic. They belonged to the circumcision group. 
The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas, who was the nicest guy in the early church, he was known as being a really nice man, even Barnabas now is not going to eat with the Gentiles because they're not circumcised. I said to Peter, in front of them all, (laughs) I said to Peter, in front of them all, you are a Jew and yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So, for Galatians, it's Jesus plus circumcision. And now, people who are circumcised can only eat with other people who are circumcised. They can't really fellowship with people who are not circumcised. And so you know what happens? The something, listen to me carefully, the something becomes more important than Jesus. Whenever you have something, it's Jesus plus something. It's the something. I'm a Catholic. I can't, I can't go to another church. I'm, I used to be a Catholic. I could never set foot in a Catholic church. I could never fellowship with Catholics. Because, you know, it's Jesus plus, you can't be a Catholic. So there's always something, and whatever the something is, that becomes our point of division. This is why Jesus prayed his high priestly prayer. He said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. We are to be so we are to be so close to each other that we represent the perfect infinite unity of the Trinity. And then he says that the world may know. And what happens? We're divided every which way. And the things that we're divided over, what songs we sing, how long the services are, you know, what the doc what our doctrines are, you know, what we believe. What we practice, whether we eat or drink, smoke or not smoke, you know, eat or you know, eat, 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 drink or not drink, these things now become points of division. We can't really fellowship with those people because they're not like us. That's this is why Jesus plus something is so. It is just so perverted. Okay, so why is Galatians such an important New Testament document? because it shows that even Peter was confused about grace. And Paul had to explain to him over and over that relationship with God is based on Jesus plus nothing. The application here is Jesus has never appointed division. It's the something part of Jesus plus something that always becomes the point of judgment and division. Limited grace always means limits to the ones that we can love, limits to the people we include in our circle. But grace has no limits. People are so confused. <laughs> Look at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. So Jesus plus something crowds the grace of God out of your life. For if righteousness, we're not just talking about circumcision here, if righteousness could be gained through the laws of Moses or through human effort, Christ died for nothing. Jesus' work on the cross for us was either perfect 
and it was enough, or it wasn't quite enough, and you got to do a little bit more. And that's where so many of us are. Instead of understanding that the grace of God is inclusive, eternal, infinite, without limits. Um, one of the translations reads, I, uh, I don't thwart the efficacy of the grace of God. And in the King James, it just says, I don't frustrate the grace of God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's stand together.